What is that noise? It's my sack of nuts. Sorry, your what? My sack of macadamia nuts. I bought with me as a healthy snack. Where do you get macadamia nuts from? Aren't they expensive and hard to come by? They come from one of my favorite places in the world, South Africa, and they are sold through House of Macadamia. That's incredible. But you go through all of that for nuts? These are not just any nut. House of Macadamia offers a variety of flavors, including chocolate, coconut, and even a spicy flavor. They even have macadamia nut oil, snack bars, and spreads. Best of all, they're high in protein, they're vegan, they're paleo, and they're keto-friendly. Wow, what did you say the name of that company was again? House of Macadamia. And best of all, Curve Mundial listeners can subscribe to my personalized box and try their subscription service and see what I'm raving about. Farmers in South Africa get a piece of the pie, macadamia nuts become more available, and you can taste and try different flavors and items. So just go to anchor.fm slash curva-mundial and click on the link, which will take you right to my personalized box on House of Macadamia. Also, by ordering from Curva Mundial's special curated subscription box, you get 15% off and a free four-pack of snack bars are also included. That's great. Even better, sales from Curva Mundial's curated House of Macadamia subscription service help fund this podcast. So really, everybody wins. So all I have to do is go to anchor.fm slash curva-mundial and click on the link, which will take me right to your personalized box on House of Macadamia? Yep. It's that easy. Also, I didn't mention, but Curva Mundial's subscription box comes with free shipping. Just by going to anchor.fm slash curva-mundial and clicking the link, and I get all of this? Sounds like a -a one-of-a-kind snack and a -a one-of-a-kind deal to me. Are you a footballer that finds their feet slipping and sliding inside their boots during a match? If so, Curva Mundial has a great solution for you. We've partnered with Technigrip Socks to bring you an exclusive offer on their new Featherlight Grip Socks. Technigrip Socks are different because they provide breathable comfort and next-level grip, but without the annoying bumps or thick and spongy material of traditional grip socks. Designed for athletes seeking sleep performance, Technigrip Socks are specially engineered with a unique grip yarn knitted into key areas of the sock providing superior control without the bulk. They're lightweight and moisture wicking with midsole compression, so your feet feel great in both practice and games. If you've been wearing grip socks, these are radically different and will take a little getting used to, but once you make the switch, you'll never look back. Head on over to technigrip.com. That's T-E-Q-N-I-G-R-I-P and use code CURVA15 for 15% off your first order. Again, head to technogrip.com and use code CURVA15 for a 15% discount. You'll thank us later. Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Curva Mundial. I am your host, Sal Bono, and my next guest is one hell of a singer-songwriter who grew up in Argentina and for many years has been based in Brooklyn, New York. Please welcome to the show, Boca Juniors supporter, singer, songwriter, and artist, Federico Obile. Welcome, Federico. Hey. Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I'm very happy to be traveling to the heart of Buenos Aires with you on this episode, <laughs> but off the bat, I gotta say... While I have never been to your beautiful country and city, thanks to your music, I feel like I have been there. And 
and knows so much about it. Your music sets the perfect tone. It is incredibly sexy. It's vulnerable. It's passionate. But it's also just so damn cool. I don't do a video <laughs> podcast. I wish you could see how Federico is dressed in a beautiful blazer. His hair is perfectly coiffed. He's got gorgeous plants behind him. Uh, very cool vintage furniture. It's just... He is already answering the question without even having to say anything, but I feel like <laughs> your music is a reflection of the Argentine people. Is that a correct assessment? Um, well, um, that's a good question. I I don't know. I mean, it definitely has a lot of elements of my interpretation of Buenos Aires, the city where I grew up. Um, we all, you know, every city has millions of inhabitants and we all have different experiences there. And, you know, in the Venn, di in the Venn diagram, you know, some, some overlap, others are completely different. But uh, so what I put into my music, uh, the Buenos Aires element in my music, it's, you know, it's my own experience there and probably an idealized also version of it. Because we also do that, and um, but uh, it definitely reflects one or some aspects of it for sure. It, it you know it feels like that, and I'm happy that like it, it's not just me trying to think like oh this is he's definitely doing that because there is so much to it. <laughs> there is so much more to it than that, and we're gonna get into that in a little bit. But your latest record and seventh album, "Time Drips on My Bed," you did the artwork yourself, and once again. Here's you taking us, the listeners and audience, on another deeply personal journey. This record is the first since the passing of your father in 2021, and um, my condolences to you and your family. Thank you, you. You found yourself reflecting on your home city of Buenos Aires and how it shaped who you are today. You rented the healing process in the way that is most natural to you with a guitar and a pen and paper, and you stuck to your roots and you stuck to your guns. Was it a cathartic experience for you? uh to exercise all of this and get yourself to a better place oh absolutely and uh as it often happens it was a very it started off as a very subconscious process suddenly i found myself more drawn and more interested in uh connecting more clearly with uh, certain elements that were clearly coming from my buenos aires roots uh I started following on Instagram more accounts like people from Buenos Aires showing beautiful places in Buenos Aires. Um, and uh, I, I revisited some Argentine films that I liked, some uh, Argentine music that I liked. And, uh, and little by little, I started realizing, I was like, oh, cle oh, I'm clearly connecting very, very, very obviously with uh, Buenos Aires in a way that I hadn't in a while. And... Uh, because of my father's passing, I was like, well, clearly this is part of the process I'm going through. Um, you know how these things happen in a, in a not very obvious way and it suddenly becomes obvious, but the beginning may be kind of like you're entering into this process and you re don't really know what's going on until you realize what's going on. So that's uh, that's sort of how it happened. And I, yeah, I started listening to more Piazzolla, which is a, a musicians that I like a lot and uh and and re also revisiting my own experiences there growing up which is also a great way to connect with you know the city you grew up <laughs> absolutely you know it's we all handle grief differently and I I know I I, I hate the cliche phrase that grief is a part of life it but it mm -hmm. unfortunately is you know but it is but it is yeah and for you who is always so 
open and emotive and expressive you know dealing with the passing of your dad like what was what was that like for you and then to want to then take the listener in and bring you bring us into the little world your little world of this terribly 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 dark time for you yeah it's um i think it starts with uh obviously with with sadness uh and uh, I guess the positive aspect, all in all, was that uh, he was very old, and he just died of natural causes uh, and with no pain. So that that was very positive. So that that makes it easier to uh, absorb, I guess. But um, when it comes to the grief itself, yeah, it it you know it started there, and just little by little, it started. Uh, you know that you have to deal with this. That you know that you cannot uh, postpone it, or you know that you know blocking it it's uh it's very bad for you so but on the other hand you don't want it to come at you as a, like a tsunami and completely overwhelm you <laughs> right. so you kind of want to accept it you know one day at a time and uh and that's what i try to do and um and so inevitably it's, it's such a huge thing that uh it it in, inevitably it sips through everything and uh and uh it colors uh, everything you're doing and since the creative process is such a personal thing it obviously reflects there very very clearly um so you know that's that's how i, I arrived there and um yeah but you know it's uh, it's true and this may or may not help some people but you know it's it's something that it's a it's a we're, we're all going to have a version of that mm -hmm. at some point in our lives uh, the other way around would be horrible. You know, I would never wish for a parent to have to see their children uh, right, uh, right. pass. That's, that's even way, way worse. So the natural order of things would seem that this is the way it is. <laughs> we grieve our parents and not the other way around. Right. And uh, and so sad as it is, there's also some, you know, there's, um, it's good that it's it feels natural. It's like, okay, we all experience this. It's okay. It's just part of life. As you said before. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's a tough one, you know, and I mm -hmm. always appreciate when an artist such as yourself allows us to enter that world because it is something that we can all relate to because it's all going to happen to us at some point or if it hasn't happened already. Um, but it is it's just so deeply personal and and again, there's that blanket of sadness, but there's, mm -hmm. but in a weird way, there's an ironic way where there's almost hope about it, that there will be a better yeah. day tomorrow. Did you find that when you were making this? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like the album is both uh, the result of all this internal process and at the same time, uh, a path to understanding and healing this, uh, this wound. So it, it 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 does both things at the same time, and it it wouldn't it would probably be very different without that experience. The entire album, uh, so it's clearly at the center of it, and uh, so it 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 emerged from it, and it also helped the uh, the grieving process and being able to you know to come to terms with the with what happened. For sure, for sure. 
As we discussed in the pre-interview, I first interviewed you back in 2011 when you had the phenomenal single and still one of my all-time favorite songs, Bohemian (laughs) Rhapsody in Blue, you had released. You were living at the time. You're welcome. Thank you, actually. (laughs) (laughs) You were living, I believe, at the time in Berlin. Um, But you've bounced around the globe, living in Buenos Aires to Barcelona to Berlin and now Brooklyn. So a few questions there. Do you only live in cities that start with the letter B? And what impact <laughs> has that had on you globetrotting around the world? <laughs> I, I asked myself that question too. And uh, I uh, and <laughs> I don't know if it would just happen like that. But yeah, um, then again, I don't know. Uh, maybe there's more le- more cities with uh, with B in the future. <laughs> I'm waiting for <laughs> you to knows? go to Bari, Italy, or maybe Beijing, or you uh, know. I could do Belfast, Belfast, and, uh... <laughs> Brisbane, Australia, uh... <laughs> Bologna, Bologna, yeah, Bologna, Italy. yeah. There you go. Um, it's, I, I mean, it's 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 a beautiful coincidence because I mean, you, all, you also you also, my friend, have learned. To pay- the fucking best cities around the world to live in, like at one period or, or another. So it's like, so has that globe trotting and seeing different things, but settling in different places, being a part of different cultures, what impact has that had on you? And do you like consider yourself a vagabond or do you just like, mm-hmm. this is it? Like I'm an artist and I'm just going to, the, the world is my oyster. Uh, well, yeah, uh, it, it also happened very uh, naturally. I, uh, I I wanted to leave Buenos Aires and have an experience living somewhere else. I had a big crush on Berlin because of the film Wings of Desire, which oh. uh, which mm. I, I had yes. seen so many times by then. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to start my journey there and see what it takes me. So after, yeah, after several years in Berlin, moved to Barcelona and then uh, and then Ber- uh, Brooklyn. But um, it, it definitely influences you. And um, it was interesting because at the beginning, I was so fascinated with the new process that uh, I kind of like had like very little interest in uh, still being connected to Buenos Aires because I was more fascinated with this new road ahead of me. Uh, And yet over the years, I realized that parts of that still inevitably would come through. So um, and at some point, I, I even raised the question, well, is my traveling around the world done and I should just go back to Buenos Aires or am I not going to go back to Buenos Aires and I'm just going to, you know, uh, settle somewhere else or am I not never going to settle anywhere (laughs) and I'm just going to keep changing city every three, four years. (laughs) What's it going to be? And uh, uh, I came to the realization, which I liked a lot, which was that uh, whatever Buenos Aires had to give me, it already was in me and had given me. And uh, and that was going to be with me always, no matter what. And um, also, likely, since it's such a personal experience, that Buenos Aires may not really exist out there. <laughs> it's just my own. Uh, it's just my own. Uh, a lot of time has passed since I left the city, and B again, it's a very personal take. So uh, it's at a, it's sort of uh, a bit like Faulkner paints the South in this very magical way, which only exists in folks imagination you know there may be some elements out there but it's not really how the south really is if you just go and visit you're like where is it <laughs> right right <laughs> so i feel like and and that i think that's going to happen with any author describing or or putting in elements of the place where they grew up 
is always going to be the wrong version uh, of it, which is uh, shaped by emotions, memories, and uh, and a lot of uh, time passing and a lot of other experiences. So based on that, uh, that's sort of like what you hear in my music is that Buenos Aires that exists probably mostly just in my head. (laughs) It's the city of your imagination. It's the city of your heart. But also all the cities you've moved to are all big football towns, all big soccer towns. That is true. So is it, do you find yourself finding watching the game and being a fan of the teams and the cities that you're in? Or do you just like sort of like, oh, well, I'll do the art thing here and the sport thing is really just like a pastime for <laughs> you know the other the other side of me uh it's it's more like a pastime for the other side really and i and i had taken actually a a, a break for a while um while i was in berlin i didn't really pay much attention to what was going on there um and then uh and barcelona has such a huge team but um but also i wasn't really paying much attention it, it all kind of like came back mostly uh after my father's passing oh, wow. he was a huge uh boca juniors fan wow. and um uh, and uh so that sort of like rekindled the interest in uh in, in that and uh and that's how i reconnected with it um i always loved the colors you know the boca juniors uh banner with gold and blue it's beautiful then uh, I remember well going to the stadium, um, and then uh, there was this one restaurant right across the street from the stadium that I liked a lot called La Cancha, which means the court. And um, uh, it was kind of like a cheap uh, restaurant, but uh, with delicious food. And um, so all these things started coming back to me and uh, sort of re- re- revived my interest in that. Um, yeah, that's kind of like how it happened. Um, memories of my dad when I was a kid. My father buying a a kid's size uniform, like a like a Boca Juniors <laughs> uniform with t-shirt and shorts. Yes. yes. <laughs> Him feeling disappointed because it was the summer. I would take off my shirt constantly. <laughs> <laughs> this is a shirt. <laughs> um and stuff like that when i was a teenager i threatened to become a a river plate fan which is like the other team (laughs) talk about rebellion talk about like (laughs) that's the kind of thing that makes sense when you're a teenager (laughs) and then um and then yeah you know just uh going back to it um there was uh, one occasion um, when I was there. Um, I, w- I was very connected with Seabury Corporation uh, oh, for yeah. a while. Yeah, I-, I played the bass with them for a while. They produced uh, my first two albums, and then uh, they were playing in Buenos Aires, and uh, and they were they were like, "Hey, you you want to you know tag along, not playing or anything, just like you know, if if you happen to go there, want to come with us?" So I'm like, "Sure, yeah, you know, I'm I'm due for a visit." So. Um, Will went there, and uh, Massive Attack was playing too with them. Oh God! It was a double bill, Thievery and Massive Attack. And uh, so after the shows, Will went to this beautiful French bistro in the older part of town that's called San Telmo. And uh, we ha- we were having lunch there, and a close friend of mine who's a lawyer and is very close to the people from Boca Juniors, the stadium and the club. He had arranged for us to have a um, a, like a balcony at the stadium, oh. and so 
So yeah, it was uh, my sister, my friend, me, and uh, Delnaja and Daddy G from uh, Massive Attack, and a couple of the Fever guys who all went to see uh, uh, the game, and uh, it was uh, it was legendary. The Massive Attack guys were huge Boca Juniors fans. I had no idea. <laughs> wow, I had no idea about that either. Now I, the phone call, and the next my next phone call after this is uh, trying, <laughs> trying to. Um, that's that's inc- that like what is so now that you. You've, you've been to La Bombonera and you know you obviously <laughs> growing up there and seeing that that stadium is a place that I look at certain cathedrals of this game uh Maracana in yeah Brazil, of course San Siro in Italy Wembley in England you know Camp Nou and uh in Barcelona of course but La Bombonera is just probably the most unique and stunning of them all because of just how ridiculously you and insane and unique it is but also just how brilliant the fans are talk us through game day like what is that like for you and then like also what is that like watching the team with a bunch of guys from england who have probably (laughs) never seen that before and are just like yeah we know you're fans but guess what like now you can really experience this (laughs) well yeah it's great because you know the the, obviously since my my friend knew people there they gave us a very vip treatment he said like we have these like musicians coming from abroad they they love Boca juniors they wanted there so you know they treated us really 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 well uh which was which was great um so it was a, the, the experience was a bit detached from like the heat of the audience <laughs> we didn't experience much of that so you <laughs> were not setting off flares and fireworks in your seat <laughs> certainly <funny>. not <laughs> <laughs> certainly not <laughs> but these guys well you know a, a, a football is very popular in the uk so these guys were like huge uh football fans uh so that was great my uh i actually my my closer my experience in a football stadium that was like closer to like the heat of the audience <laughs> was at the other stadium at river plate stadium oh wow okay no, yeah well, tell, tell me about that one now well yeah that was uh i was it was close to uh it was like the last year before i left for berlin and uh the same lawyer friend who's a big football fan Right. It's like you need to go to River Plate at least once before you leave Buenos Aires. It's such a classic. I'm like, okay, you're right. Let's do it. And uh, he's like, there's a there's a friendly game between the Argentine team and the Paraguayan team. Oh, so okay. it was Argentina versus Paraguay. He's like, I was like, back then, football stadiums in Buenos Aires were not safe at all. We're quite wild and crazy <laughs> places. And so I asked him, like, is this going to be insane? Because I don't, you know, I don't want to get in trouble or anything like that. I don't want to <laughs> suffer any violence. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, don't worry. When it's like more like an international game, everything, everyone behaves. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I, uh, I thought it was suspicious. When he picked me up, he's like, don't bring belts. <laughs> and uh and just bring enough change to you know take a bus home no more than that i'm like why is that because like well they don't let you in with the belt i'm like why well because you could use it as a weapon <laughs> i'm like okay <laughs> you said it's going to, to be safe and nice <laughs> it's like yeah well there's some rules you can't enter with a bottle you can't use it you can't have a belt uh just basically your keys and a little bit of change if you take the bus back home that's all you can bring in um okay back then i used to smoke just like you know (laughs) cigarettes are fine (laughs) right right right. okay (laughs) so we went there and um yeah they would patch you down security was crazy 
and still so we were up there and the people around us were <laughs> quite, quite a scene <laughs> there were um the first thing i caught my attention is they were dealing drugs left and right <laughs> Holy wow okay I was like, is this normal? He's like, unfortunately, yeah, this is what they always do. <laughs> Belts, no, but like cocaine, yes. Right. Cocaine, <laughs> yes. Exactly. It was it was quite bizarre uh to see it too. So the dealer would be standing somewhere and everyone knew that was the dealer. So they would like <laughs> shout at him, like, hey, I want an eighth ball or whatever. And uh and he would be with his hands, he would be like 10 or 20 or however the whatever the price is. So the other guy would guy make a little ball with the with the with the bills and throw it at the dealer, and the dealer would throw like eight ball back. <laughs> so there's it like like this like airborne commerce. <laughs> first off, that that I, I love the ingenuity of it. I'm not condoning <laughs> drugs here, everybody, but I do love the ingenuity of it. But also the fact that like there's also entertainment in the stands. Like you go to pay to see a game, but you're also yeah. like you're looking to your left. And it's just this flying money and drugs. I know. And you also like, I'm not touching either one of them because if I do, I'm gonna yeah, die. Yeah, exactly. It was uh it was quite an experience. And I'm actually happy a I'm happy I experienced it because it's quite unique. It's not something I will ever experience again. And B, the game was quite boring, I have to say. <laughs> and it, it, it ended like nil-nil, so it was like very boring. <laughs> so you needed the drugs to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and at the very end, we got mugged. What? Oh, that's just of, like the icing on the cake then there, man. Yeah. <laughs> at the very end, we got mugged by a, by a gang of 11-year-olds. <laughs> they kind of like surrounded us and they're like the one is talking to me the other one is like sticking his hand in my in my pants so like taking my cigarettes and uh in my little change for the buzz and uh and i look at my friends like what am i and he's like just don't worry because if you antagonize these guys the big guys are up there looking at what's going on around here so don't mess with them <laughs> just give them what you they want them, oh you know? my God. which is basically cigarettes and like the five peso bill you have in your pocket which is nothing <laughs> oh my God. did they come after you with the belts did they like did they like attack you with the belts <laughs> instead of knives oh. no it was so funny because it was just a bunch of 11 year old kids which you know you would they hadn't had any weapons or anything. They just stood there and took stuff. And uh, it was just they knew that you wouldn't mess with them because the big guys were all in a balcony above, like, looking down. <laughs> so you know you're a Boca fan when you are so, so sort of painting a not nice picture of River at their own stadium. Even just saying. Just saying. When just... I went to the Boca Junior Stadium, nothing happened. <laughs> it was VIP treatment and a great game, and it was all good. <laughs> it, it's got to be, like, it. so... There is there is something though that like to be said about that because for it almost feels like these stories that you hear over time are an obvious exaggeration, but they're not. Like you obviously have lived through it. You've just talked about it, you've told about it. <laughs> but something happened in 2021 where all of our, and then we saw it again in December when uh, granted there are differences among Argentines when it comes to teams, when it comes to class, when it comes to whatever. Yeah. But when it comes to Maradona and the <laughs> World Cup, 
all bets are off like that it's 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 quite a scene so in the yeah. last two years Argentina has made headlines because of their football and obviously, you know, winning a world cup in December, but also, you know, Maradona's passing two years before that, like, or a year before that, rather, what was, what was all of that like watching from afar, seeing like a a sadness, but as we talked about earlier with the passing (laughs) of this complete icon, but also the fact that like, the the rightful heir to his throne goes and wins a World Cup now. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was one thing that was interesting is um, was to see how Maradona, who at that point he was a classic, but he was a much older guy. So I, I have a nephew whom at the time was twelve years old, and uh, I was surprised by how relevant Maradona was for him. Wow. He was born at a time where Maradona had already passed his peak. You know, he was retired and kind of like a figure that would come up on tabloids, etc. But it wasn't like he wasn't active as throwing the cocaine balls in the audience. (laughs) Yeah, he was was doing the cocaine balls in the audience. So um, I was surprised by how relevant it was for him, uh, a Maradona, and b his passing. Uh, I was also surprised by how relevant he still was in Napoli, where where yeah. he had played. He was much much younger. I mean, it had been decades since he played there, and people. I mean, there were still murals painted on the street with Maradona's face. So, um, and then also seeing in Buenos Aires how also some people painted murals, etc. So I was very surprised how how large that his figure still was, even though he hadn't been active as a in sports in a long time he has he was just a celebrity right and not you know kind of like a bit of a sad celebrity really you know um i don't know if you've seen uh, the documentary that uh, uh costa rica did of him yeah maybe 10 10 years ago or so yeah. um yeah i mean it's uh a lot of it's pretty sad you know, how he struggled with addiction but also like how you know he was it was just this kid that had so much talent and uh and all the people around him basically surrounded him with a bunch of cocaine (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) because they were, he was making them a lot of money. It's, uh, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an archetypal story. Unfortunately it happened in a lot of different areas in sports and other, um, areas too. But, uh, so yeah, I was, I was very surprised to see how, how important he still was and, uh, and also for much younger generations. Do you think that, you know, sport like music has a has the ability to transcend and reach and touch different generations, as you just discussed? Like when you set out to write a song or make a record, do you think that like in 20 years time, you hope that someone will like pick this up and discover it or make it still relevant, similar to like like your nephew, as you said, like wasn't born when Maradona had played, but you know, thanks to YouTube, you can just watch a greatest hits highlight reel, correct? Yeah, and sit there and be like, "Wow, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen." I mean, just the hand of God goal alone, or the go- greatest goal of all time was last century was his same game against England, mind you. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, but you have all of these things now at, at our fingertips to sit there, like 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 Spotify gives us music. You know, it's like we have all these things now to say like. Oh, I may not have been around for that, but now I'm discovering it now and it's and it's transformative and it's emotive and it's all these things that it it was again, as you said earlier, relevant. It was it's still relevant. 
is that is that what an artist tries to do or is that just something that like if it happens great or if it doesn't i no worries i got it off my chest and someone's listening like what is that like for you um well i i i would hope that uh in 20 years time you know um some people <laughs> will find uh discover or or they knew about my music already and they would still find it uh relevant or they would still speak to them um because uh ultimately i do believe that uh what i'm what i try to do when i'm making releasing music making and releasing music is to uh communicate with people mm -hmm. you know uh and uh, music is the language but uh but uh we're talking about like very universal emotions and human experiences. So um, what changes, of course, is, you know, each era has its own way to producing music and, you know, uh, so it's the same with literature books often, you know, talk about the same human problems, you know, 300 years ago or nowadays. <laughs> so um, uh, I would, you know, I definitely would like for someone to connect with it in that way and, and, and feel like, oh, yeah, this song speaks to me. Uh, and uh, because it's a it's a very human uh, experience, what, what, what the song is talking about. So, um, yeah, ideally, yes, of course. But I don't, you know, I don't have full control of that. So <laughs> all I can do is just relax and hope. <laughs> it, it's sort of like... Um... You know, when some there's always that's like a message in a bottle, like you're throwing it out into the ocean. Correct. If yeah. Someone opens it, and finds it. It's like, oh, I hope I, you know, I, you know, I think, uh, I think Sting wrote a song about that. Of course, you know, but uh, <laughs> of course, but, yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, of course. But it's, but it, you know, but even the lyrics of that, it's, it's, it's funny because it's, it's so true. It's like you're still doing that, and you're doing that, and it's, and it's such a wonderful thing. And look. I caught that bottle that you threw out all those years ago and I'm still, Correct. Know, still listening to it. So I'm really excited to have you on. So thank you so much. Now time for a coffee break. Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from modcup.com. Mod Cup, drink modern coffee. Use code Mundial for 10% off your first order. Federico, I've got three quick questions for you. These are the lightning round that I ask every guest on this show. Uh, this will pertain, right. This will pertain to Boca. So let's uh, let's jump right in. Um, if you could bring back a former player to your club, a retired player, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Uh, I would definitely bring Maradona. <laughs> <laughs> because not only not only he was amazing. Like a, clearly a very very good uh, player, but uh, but he you know he was a lot of fun too. <laughs> it's kind of like James Brown. You know? It's not only the music; the guy was like, a lot of fun too. <laughs> that's actually that's oh my god! Like that is actually the best comparison to him that no one's ever made. He was the fucking James Brown of football. <laughs> yeah, that that I think that would be a very accurate way to describe him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is now, 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 now we've got it all recorded now. So now, now, this all is, right. always, I'm crediting you for coming up with that. That's, if all right, if Boca had an infinite amount of money, if there was one player, active player today that Boca could sign, who would it be and why? 
well, huh. I don't know, because uh, I'm always like drawn to like the characters and it feels like um, football has gotten a lot more professional. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there's less, less James Brown characters and a lot more like really good players, but they're not as fun. <laughs> there's less James to... Brown and there's more Sting. You know, that's... Yeah, correct, correct, yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with Sting. He's doing his thing. It's great. I love him, but... Yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I think I would definitely um, go with. Uh, or, or do you mean from any era or for like or currently? Currently, or, like active player now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, then I would go with Messi. Yeah, nice. He's an amazing player, doubtless. Yeah. What's it like for you? This is not a one of those three questions. This is a follow up on that. But what's it like for you now seeing his hysteria in in America now? It's crazy because uh, I started. Um, I feel like when I first started uh, coming more often to the U.S. to start working on music, on albums, etc., uh, football or soccer was still, you know, way more a much smaller thing. I think like in the last decade and a half or so, it's grown so much. You hear a lot more people talking about it. Where I feel like in the past, you know, my wife, for example, when she was in a, in high school, she played uh, she played soccer, nice. but um, but uh, I feel like you know at the time I would I would sit with uh, with my producers in the studio and uh, one of them liked soccer, but uh, it was always always almost like this like little private club. <laughs> right, that's actually a great way to put it. Yeah, that's and, how I uh, always felt it was. And like, I was happy to be a part of that little club. And now it's, but you're always sort of like, oh, I wish it would be bigger. Now it's like, it's almost it's getting much big bigger. That, it's almost too big that I'm like, am I even invited to my own party? <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. And it was funny because coming from a country where football has always been so huge, uh, there was, you know, it was, it was a very popular thing. There was nothing elegant about football, but <laughs> hearing people talk about football here, it was almost like this, like, Kind of like exclusive and kind of like elegant <laughs> European sport. That's yeah. how they described it often. And uh, and for me, it was like, well, well, it's just football, you know. <laughs> it's like what everyone plays. And uh, but now I feel like it's uh, it's yeah, here in the U.S., it's it's getting way way more popular. You, you even on the news, you hear way more news about you know the the national team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, so great. And finally, finally, what has been your favorite moment as a fan of the sport? Uh, well, uh, going back to my childhood, when uh, I remember I went to see a film with a friend of mine. Uh, we went to the movie theater and uh, I can't remember what we watched. Some like a film, I don't know. But when we exited the film, I was on this big avenue. Everyone was honking. And, and screaming Maradona, 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 and we're like, "What happened?" We both had forgotten. It was during the World Cup. We both had oh forgotten God. that Argentina was playing that day, and it was the day when Maradona scored those goals against uh, against Britain. It oh my Britain. God! And so then we got back home and we watched on TV, and it was like, "Whoa, that was quite a goal." <laughs> that was. You're amazing. probably the only two Argentines in a movie. I know, right? <laughs> We were kids and we were like, well, you know, it's, I know it's early because it's a show for like more for kids, but the movie theater feels a bit empty. <laughs> I guess the film, 
been out for a while. I don't know. <laughs> that's now that's incredible. That's uh, incredible. <laughs> Federico, thank you so much for coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, his new album, Time Drips on My Bed, is available on all streaming services. Go pick it up. Go find him in concert. Check him out on all the social media platforms. Thank you again, my friend. Thank you so much, Sal. Thank you for having me. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Curva Mundial listeners can get 20% off their next order at Football Devotion. For football designs with a difference, head over to footballdevotion.com and use code CURVA for 20% off your order. That's code CURVA.